On today's show, I have Mike Danello of Mike Danello and the New Essentials. He's also a podcaster with a show called Chilling on the South Side, and I'm kind of jealous of him right now because he has good weather, and we're on the verge of a storm out here, so welcome to the show, Mike. Thanks so much, Kelly. Thanks for having me. really appreciate being on with you. Well, I'm excited to talk to you because you're not only a great musician, but you live in Austin, Texas, which is basically, you know, the center of um, independent music and just what's happening in the music scene. You've got South by Southwest there. But what I like about what I've seen with your podcast, you're kind of like the guy that um, features local people and talks about, you know, the real South side of Austin. And you're like the gritty, you know, not... Not the like, oh, what the press wants you to think, but you actually meet real people who live there. Yes, uh, well, that's correct, absolutely. Um, to be perfectly honest, I just started this, actually, this podcast, uh, really at the top of this year. Um, so it was kind of just a fun endeavor that I've been wanting to do. Um, and, uh, you know, I did a little radio back in the day, but then kind of switched over to doing music and... Uh, but yeah, our, our, you know, the theme is kind of <laughs> about, you know, living on the south side of Austin and talking to fellow musicians, just uh, friends, local businesses, uh, really anybody at this point who just wants to be on the mic with me and talk. <laughs> no, that's great. I think a lot of musicians now are finding they have to be a little more creative in promoting themselves. Like it's not just enough to put a few YouTube videos up. So I think it's really cool that you've got a podcast. You know, has it, even though it's a pretty new one, has that helped you connect more as a musician to people? Um, I, I really think it's starting to. I mean, we've only released about four episodes so far. I've got a couple other ones that we're going to be releasing here in the next couple of days. Um, but, yeah, I kind of feel uh, this connection on a deeper level just with folks that have been on. Um, and even the folks that are now, you know, starting to listen and they want to be on and, and, and talk about different things. So it's just really um, a whole new world I feel like I've kind of entered into. And I'm, I'm kind of sad I hadn't started this earlier in my life. But uh, I'm happy that I'm, I've started to do it now. And, uh, you know, I think also it's been great practice for me to be on uh, other great podcasts such as yourself. <laughs> Well, one thing I like about your podcast is you list it as not music, but comedy interviews, which I think, <laughs> is, is sounding just the sound of your voice, it sounds like you got a good sense of humor, but it seems like people are sometimes so serious about music. Oh, I want to break through. I'm, I want to be the next Bob Dylan or whatever. But it, it seems like you know people need to have a sense of humor when they're moving along their musical journey, too. That is a great point. I think um, at an early age, even though I, you know, I think mostly everyone who's a musician or, you know, some sort of a performer or actor, you know, we have big dreams. Like we want to make it huge. We want to make it big. We want to get our stuff out there. Um, but I think, you know, moving to Austin really humbled me, you know, coming to a town where there's tons of musicians, tons of actors, performers, and great ones at that. And so, you know, I kind of went from, I grew up in South Florida and I kind of went from, you know, having more of a, a front man role to understanding what it is, you know, to be in a band, back up people, play some bass, sing backup vocals. 
Uh, and that's kind of how the new essentials really started. The new essentials started from, uh, you know, just a couple of guys that were front men trying to help each other out, uh, playing shows and, you know, whether it was a duo show, a trio show, just, uh, you know, a good group of musicians just helping each other back each other up at different shows, which kind of evolved into uh, a core three of us that started the new essentials, which was mostly, you know, a lot of cover music mixed in with just different folks, original tunes. Um, so, you know, this new EP that I'm releasing is really just a, a handful of my original songs that I got the, the band to record with me uh, because I felt like it was long overdue uh, since I had put out some, some original music uh, just, you know, for, for the masses, I guess you could say, you know, you know, release it on all platforms and everything. Um, so that was kind of my, that was kind of my 2019 project to wrap up. And then right after that, I really knew I wanted to focus on getting this podcast launched. So I've, I've kind of been, I've kind of had my hands full with, with both of those things. Well, it sounds like you're a good multitasker. Which is, you know, nowadays you kind of have to be. You have to be your own webmaster, music video director, and <laughs> but at least you got some help. So you talked about the new essentials. So you're working with two other musicians as as a trio. So mostly, yeah. So that's the core of our group. Uh, but we have a lot of other musicians that come in and out, and, and some of those guys uh, are on the record with me. Um, but yeah, uh, Matt. Creighton and Jay Williams are my main two uh, founders with me of the New Essentials. We play a lot of shows as a, as a three-piece or a trio. Uh, but then, of course, you know, we expand out to four and five pieces. We have a, a horn player, saxophone player sometimes that comes in. And, of course, uh, there's sometimes, you know, if I can't make a show, I tap out and someone subs in for me. So we've really built this great camaraderie, uh, I think, over the last couple of years. Um, so, you know, we really are excited to one, get this record out on, on my behalf from, for my, uh, original music, but we're anxious to see, uh, what 2020 will bring. If we'll focus on, uh, I've got a few other songs that I might be working on, but, uh, right now the focus is just to get this new uh, record out there. But yeah, it's, it's just like so, I said, a great camaraderie with all of us. So the new EP, what's the title of it? Uh, it's just self-titled. It's just Mike Danello and the new Essentials, since it was the first one ever. I used to kind of play under my uh, last name as a project name, band name, solo artist, Danello. So I felt uh, I did that uh, for a while when I first moved to Austin. And I, I got a good base uh, of a following, but I felt like it got to be maybe a little confusing whether folks out there who didn't know me, was that a band or is that a, a person? Is that a solo artist? Um, so, I, you know, uh, going back and forth, what we were going to call this record, we were just like, well, let's just make it as simple as possible so everybody kind of knows, okay, what this is and uh, what this sounds like. Well, sure, especially like a debut EP. It's not uncommon to just right. make it self-titled. So that, that's cool. you got to get your name out there as much as you can. But uh, are you also a songwriter? Is this like a lot of originals? You know, I never really considered myself a songwriter as, the per se cliche song writer. I, I kind of think of myself more of as the song maker. Uh, I'm not the type of person mm -hmm. who will just sit there in a notebook and write and write and write. I'm more of a creative spirit. You know, obviously I would say guitar is probably the driving instrument that I use to create songs. I do play ukulele, so that's another writing instrument too. Um, but a lot of my stuff 
kind of just comes and evolves to me over time. I'll come up with riffs and hooks and ideas, and I'll have them in my head for a while, even before I might write them down. Um, and something's got to inspire me to, to write it down. Uh, now, I've tried to break that habit and become just better at writing stuff that, you know, just comes out. But I'm more of a music first and lyric second kind of guy. I know some folks are the opposite, where they're just write and write and write, and then they'll put those words to music. I'm more uh, of the opposite. I, I feel like I usually come up with the melody and the, the, the groove or the, the riff or the chord progression first and get, uh, you know, a few ideas. Maybe sometimes I'll have an idea of like a, a lyric or two that I'll put to music, but for the most part, usually the music comes first to me. And I, I always considered myself a song maker more than a writer just because I'm always, you know, kind of working from the ground up. Song maker, I like that. That sounds like more of a, a craftsperson. You're you're crafting songs rather than just whipping them out in ten minutes. No, that's a, you know that's that's really the truth. I feel like I hold them with me for a while. I might play them out and really try them out before I really go into the studio and record them. As you know, I'm sure most artists do. Uh, but actually, the fun part about this re- record was, I would say that three of the songs I kind of had, you know, already sort of worked out, and two of them uh, were actually kind of brand new. So that's always a fun process, too, when you have these ideas that you, you've kind of, you know, worked up, you know, in your head, maybe on paper, may, maybe you made a rough recording of, uh, but then you, you take that to a studio and it just kind of comes to fruition. Uh, it's a really cool experience, and uh, I feel like that's what kind of happened on this record with a few songs. Well, I was looking at your Facebook page, and I always like when artists put what musicians inspired you. And you have a really eclectic uh, influence, like everything from Tom Petty, Bob Marley, The Beatles, Pearl Jam, Steve Miller. Sounds like, you know, (laughs) you're honoring a lot of, like, the, you know, classic rock people from the 70s, and it's like you're expanded to a lot of different influences. No, absolutely. I grew up in South Florida, and a lot of the music shows that we played were heavily based around doing Tom Petty and Bob Marley covers. And, you know, <laughs> we played like a lot of the, you know, local Irish pubs and, and uh, you know, dockside bars on the water. And, you know, that's that's what, you know, folks in South Florida would always want to hear. So I feel like that was what I brought to the table when I kind of joined the new essentials. Uh, that's kind of my, uh, I guess, repertoire of covers, you know, that has been ingrained in me for a long time. All of the, pretty much a lot of the stuff you mentioned, I would probably add, you know, like Bob Seger and Credence and maybe even David Bowie in there as well. But yeah, that's kind of what I would uh, bring to the table. And what's even more funny is kind of tying it back to just kind of writing songs or making songs, like I mentioned, uh, you know, my goal is obviously to create songs that, you know, sound as original as possible. And sometimes I go through this whole process and I think, yeah, this is, uh, this is great. I love this. It sounds like such an original idea. And then I, you know, I hear it back and I'm just like, wow, that, you know, this kind of sounds like a Tom Petty song. And uh, I guess it just kind of inadvertently comes out. Those have been your influences, your life. And, and, and I've learned to embrace it. So, you know, if somebody says, Oh, that song sounds like a Tom Petty song. I'm like, well, good. Cause He's probably one of uh, my top <laughs> artists of, of all time, I think, that I've been inspired by. Well, when you're first starting out, 
and you want people to say, okay, who are you, you know? Everyone wants to peg you into a genre or a style. Yeah. But but at least if you can say, well, if you like, you know, classic Elton John, you might like us. Or if you like classic Tom Petty, you might like us. If you're introducing someone to your sound, you know, you know, what are the top, you know, entry points of, hey, if you like this artist, you like me. Right. Uh, I would say on this new record, there's definitely a song or two, uh, or really, you know, I think each song is kind of its own thing. But to me, I hear uh, a little bit of Pearl Jam uh, on a song or two. I hear a little bit of, or a lot of Tom Petty on a song uh, or two. There's definitely some, some funkier stuff in there that I don't know really where that comes from. Um, I think that actually has to do with my bandmates that I've started playing with, uh, Matt and Jay, who come from a, a little bit more of a funk and soul side, uh, where I came from more of like classic rock and reggae and, and a couple of other things. But again, you know, uh, this record with me and these new songs, uh, they kind of vary, but I, I would definitely say, you know, Pearl Jam, Tom Petty, uh, the Beatles, uh, but I've always kind of had, you know, I, I played ukulele for a long time, so there's always that kind of a little bit of an islandy vibe, too, that you get from the uke, and mm-hmm. there's a little bit of uke kind of weaved into a song or two. Uh, it's really not in the in, in the fore foreground of these songs, but um, for, for example, you know, the last song on the EP is actually the name of the podcast. Uh, well, the, the name of the song is Southside, uh, and then the tagline was Chilling on the Southside. That's actually how I came up with a name for the podcast. Basically, I said, well, two birds, one stone. Uh, we have, like, a good song here, and maybe <laughs> I can use this. Uh, and I had, like, multiple versions of that song that I recorded anyway. So I was like, well, this seems to fit the uh, the format of the podcast, too. So, um, And, you know, that's a very just kind of laid back, um, you know, what I like to call a, a location-based song. Every now and then I feel like I have a simple song that's really – there's not. It's not too deep. It's really just about a, a location, and, and in this case, just chilling on the south side. <laughs> right, right. Well, I don't know if you remember, but back in the 70s, pop radio, there was always a mix of rock and pop and country and easy listening. There was such a blending. Mm-hmm. It seems like now, you know, 2020, it's so dominated by a specific, almost electronic pop sound. You know, it sounds like, you know, people like you have just been totally pushed off of popular radio. And it's almost like you have to get your fan base performing live because radio just doesn't want to hear anything that's not geared for, you know, 14-year-olds. You're absolutely right. Um, I, I think, you know, I learned that at a, at a younger age for sure. Um, but, again, just bringing back to one of the basis for me moving to Austin was exactly for the reason of being able to play live music. I think here is a town that obviously supports it. It's the live music capital of the world, so they say. And we do have more live music venues per capita uh, than anywhere else. I've been here nine years, and uh, I'm still, you know, always excited to play new places because there's a new place opening every uh, week or every month. Um, But then I also, you know, uh, play some regular places as well. Uh, But, yes, I think I, you know, steered away from, you know, I guess what you would call pop-pop uh, sounds of, of the, uh, the this decade right now, or the last decade, I guess, but we're in a new decade now. Uh, and I've always kind of stuck to, you know, just real organic sounds. Um, 
you know, I've never been a fan of like any sort of auto tune or anything like that, or um, just overproduced, over compressed stuff. Uh, that's always just been mm-hmm. my style. Uh, but there's definitely pop music that I do like that uh, I hear, and uh, it's just you know there's a, a certain niche, uh, and I just feel like I have to be true to to that organic uh, style and, and uh, just natural style that I feel that um, you know we play. Mm-hmm. Well, in Austin, you know, people who don't live there, I think their image of it is South by Southwest. They think it's you know some music and film festival, you know, 365 days out of the year, but it's not. <laughs> so the during the part of it's the year where you're not having the big festival, um, what's it like? I mean, what are the audiences? What's the core audience like there when it's not the festival audience from out of town? Well, to be perfectly honest with you, the local uh, musicians here, I think, and I'm sure most of them would agree with me, is that we don't really even look forward to those two weeks of South by just because you have to think, uh, you were just saying like 365 days of the year. No, it's more like 365,000 people from everywhere in the world come here for two weeks, and every band in the world mm-hmm. or you know, just wants to play here, and they come here, and they, you know, uh, they're that's that's their thing they you know that that's it just the town just kind of explodes with music every venue that's not even a venue normally becomes a music venue it's like there's just music popping up everywhere so you know now i've been here nine years and i feel like that buzz has worn off a little bit uh of course i almost kind of just flip the switch and be like i'm not trying to play any shows i just want to go see bands and kind of be inspired uh, so that's kind of what South by has become for me. It becomes like vacation time almost. Like I don't even want to play uh, shows because I feel like I did that hustle when I first came here. And it's, it could get exhausting. And when you're a local Austin artist, you have the rest of the year to play all these venues and all these other cool places. So uh, it's kind of like, hey, you know, to me, in my opinion, it's like it's that time of year where we, we give our town up to the rest of the world. Well, I'm going to ask you a very controversial question. Sure. I'm, I'm sure you've talked uh, to your fellow bandmates and the locals there about this. And the question is, do you think South by Southwest has become too commercial? Mm, I'm going to have to agree with you. I think it it kind of has. And I think um, that's every festival. I think that's, uh, you know, I grew up in, South Florida, there's a festival called Sunfest uh, that I had uh, the pleasure of playing with an old band of mine back in, uh, I, don't even, I don't remember the year now, but I just feel like over time that's kind of what happens, and even when I first moved to Austin, South by was only I think one weekend, and then within like a year or two, it was two weekends. The same thing with uh, Austin City Limits, but you know, uh, it, it's kind of what uh, drives this town, though, and so as much as it may have become too commercial, I have to respect it. Well, it sounds like a place like Austin, which has this, you know, mythic reputation now, you know, you came from the outside of it. So do you think Mm -hmm. that gave you a little edge of, you weren't so used to the way things were? I mean, how important is it for a place like Austin, you know, to occasionally have some outsiders come shake it up, give it a new perspective. 
I think it happens all the time. I think one of the reasons that I, I, I wanted to come to Austin is outside of all the music festivals is that there's a lot of different artists who come here from all over, even just, you know, regionally or the U.S. And, you know, living in South Florida, if you're looking at a map, I kind of was in the Palm Beach County, West Palm Beach area. And so we would get great shows that come down there, but often bands would kind of hit the top part of Florida, maybe make it down to Orlando or something, and then they'd go someplace else. You know, like big bands that you'd like to see um, would just kind of skip over the South Florida area. And I feel like here in Austin, that's not uh, the case. Most most bands want to come through here, and there's always uh, just great music to see and be inspired from all around the nation, all around the world. And, yes, there's definitely a lot of... Uh, artists that come here and, and shake it up. Um, I'm trying to think of, there's, you know, I feel like I've, I've got to see a lot of bands, um, even for just off the top of my head, a band like Head in the Heart. Never would have heard of them, I think, if I didn't move to, to Austin. I know they're from Seattle, and I feel like they Excellent. just made a huge bang here. Yeah, they made a huge bang here, and i kind of seen a band like that grow over these last eight, nine years, where we saw them in this small little venue. Maybe it was a South by event or a South by uh, unofficial show, I think. And then year after year, it's like here they are playing South by playing Austin city limits. And, and it's just, it's just been a fun experience to see that. And uh, with a lot of bands, I can, I don't want to name drop too many, but, <laughs> but that was just one that's on the top <laughs> of my head. Nice. Nice. Well, we're not going to wrap up quite yet, but before we do, I want to at least make sure people know how to find you. So where's the best place online sure. to learn more about you and buy your music yeah. when it comes out? Yeah, so uh, MikeDonello.com, that's D-O-N-E-L-L-O.com. Uh, from there, you know, we uh, you can get to all the other uh, fabulous, like, websites and Facebook and Instagram, and you can even link up to the podcast through MikeDonello.com. So that's kind of probably the best central location. And then, of course, uh, the new album will be out uh, everywhere uh, a week uh, in a week from now. So it'll be out on the 7th of February. Well, then it'll make the perfect Valentine's Day gift. <laughs> yeah, that, that's right. And we've got uh, a show <laughs> at one of the local South Austin Gems here that day. It's uh, at a place called the Saxon Pub, um, which is, you know, just, Definitely a, a great local South Austin venue uh, that many of the Austin and Texas greats have all played. Um, and I love that uh, venue. It's just got a great sound. I've played a number of shows, but we're really excited to do our CD release there uh, on February 7th. Nice. So where can people find your podcast online? Yes, uh, I believe it's on most all platforms, Apple, Spotify, um, Google. Um, but, yeah, you could uh, just search any of those platforms, Chilling on the South Side, spelled out with I-N-G, Chilling on the South Side. Nice. And I see you also have a co-host on there, a local film director and producer. Yes, Wallace. Wallace is a great guy. I've known Wallace for about eight years uh, We've met uh, through uh, various occasions and worked on just various things. Obviously, listen to the podcast. The first one is really just about how Wallace and I met and how he kind of agreed to be my uh, co-host for most of the episodes. I do most of the episodes with Wallace, 
uh, every now and then I kind of go off on my own and have uh, an episode uh, with me and maybe a few other people. But Wallace is uh, a great addition and uh, definitely the one that uh, I felt brought things to to uh, to make happen or to fruition to make this podcast come to life. You know, I had this idea and I was like, I want to do this, but then I wasn't sure who'd be interested. And I started talking to Wallace and he really loved this idea. And we've worked on a few projects together. He's helped film uh, the band and a couple of videos for me. Um, so yeah, he's just a great creative soul that I do love working with. And, you know, we have crazy schedules, so it's nice to be able to work creatively on this and just come together and, and, you know, tape, you know, a quick 40, 60 minute podcast. We put up your first four episodes of it. What has been the most unexpectedly challenging part of doing a podcast? <laughs> so <laughs> I think the most challenging thing I learned, I did this New Year's Eve episode and uh, it, <laughs> the, the, mo- the one episode pretty much that I, that I didn't have Wallace and I had a New Year's Eve uh, party with, with friends at the house and uh, I taped way too much <laughs> and then realized, okay. Wait, you, t- you, taped, you, t- you taped too much or drank too much? Both, both. So drank too much and then taped too much and then, you know, had a few friends that were like, I don't know if I want you to air this. Uh, I don't remember anything I said. And so then it was like, you know, that, that, I think that was, that was number one challenge. It's like, okay. Uh, in the future, maybe uh, have a little bit more of a format and try to <laughs> try to be aware of you know how long you're taping. I think that's just been a challenge. And then you know editing sometimes an episode like that can be challenging. It's like ultimately I I don't want to do edit- any editing at all. Other than maybe like you know putting the tag in for the show. The less editing, the less time I have to worry about. So I think that that's so far the one challenge that I've learned. Um, and then maybe just learning how to listen. Well, sometimes, you know, you're on the radio, and if you're the only host, well, it's just you speaking. You're not, you're just, you know, announcing. But I think uh, doing a podcast, it's just as important to be able to listen. <laughs> so all you podcasters out there, that is a very crucial point of podcast and something I'm working on, again, so it's all practice. So just striking that balance, it sounds, because it seems like you, whoever you talk to, Obviously, you're going to have a lot to talk to because this is your neighborhood. This is your town. So it sounds like you're just creating conversations with other cool people in your in your town there. Yeah, I didn't really want to set up too many rules. And I had a lot of people who were interested in doing this with me. And so, I mean, my goal was to do like two to three episodes a month. Um, but So I'm kind of on pace so far. And... Um, it's been real. It's it's been so. It's been a fun experience. Um, I just taped an episode actually last night with uh, an old pal uh, from. He actually lives out in L.A. He actually has a podcast too. It's called uh, We Don't Bang. <laughs> uh, but he's a, a fellow broadcaster that I knew uh, from back in the day, and he works on stuff out in L.A. Um, so had him on, and uh, it was just kind of great to reminisce and go down memory lane, and just uh, we were talking about. You know, how the podcast media in this day and age is kind of nice. You know, when you're in radio, uh, things get, get back to what you were saying, things get too commercialized and everyone's like, you know, this is what we have to promote and this is what we have to say and this is what the show needs to be about. It's nice to just say, hey, I'm just doing this 
at least right now for, for the fun of it. And like you said, just having cool people and cool conversations that, uh, you know, people want to hear. Okay. We've got 20 seconds left. So in 2020, you're putting out your EP, you launched your podcast. So what's your other compelling resolution for this year? Just to keep on keeping on, uh, keep on recording music, keep on the, doing the podcast. Um, and, you know, I'd love to just keep on being a guest of excellent podcasts such as yourself. <laughs> Thank you. Although I was hoping you would say your resolution was to join a Pilates class. but A Pilates class? <laughs> <laughs> well, I wish you I'll put it on the list. Great. Su- <laughs> well, I know you're going to do great on the podcast because I've been having fun talking to you. Wish you great success on the EP, and I'm going to keep track of you and, and see what you do next. Likewise, Kelly. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a real pleasure. I feel like that was the quickest. Uh, podcast i've ever experienced i guess when i'm on this side of it it seems to go way more just quickly (laughs) oh my god half an hour just went like that pow